2: Welcome to the Storytelling Lab, where we break down how to get to the heart of your story and the hearts of your audience to leave the greatest impact possible. And now here's your host, a filmmaker and competitive storyteller, Rain Bennett.
1: What's up, my beautiful people? Welcome to another episode of the Storytelling Lab, where we break down the art and science of storytelling. This podcast is brought to you by Magnanimous Rentals cameras lenses lights and much more at the lowest rental rates online magnanimous rentals every order submitted at magrents.com that's m-a-g-r-e-n-t-s.com every order submitted receives a discount inexpensive production essentials ship right to your door magrents.com go magnanimous Listen, I've been working with Magnanimous Rentals for a few years and I love it. I can't tell you how awesome it is to have a production trip, which I travel at least once a month or so, and I pack my bags and my luggage with my clothes. I hop on my plane, I reach my destination, I get to my hotel or my Airbnb and boom, my equipment is there waiting for me nicely packaged up. My cameras, my lenses, tripods, lights, I didn't have to travel with any expensive or heavy equipment and it just made everything a breeze. I do my shoot, I knock it out of the park, I pack the equipment back into the packaging it came in and I stop by UPS or FedEx on the way back to the airport and boom, it's back on its way to magnanimous rentals super easy, super affordable. And listen, if you have a production in-house for your business and you can't justify purchasing camera equipment, this is a perfect affordable alternative for you guys. Rent the equipment that you need and then send it back. Magnanimous Rentals, go check them out at magrents.com. And as always, this podcast is brought to you by Six Second Stories, where we help you maximize your impact through short form storytelling. Do stories really have the power to affect people on a global scale? Can we really control and or change the narrative by sharing those stories? Do you want to hear the story of somebody who took one Facebook post and created a whole worldwide tribe based off of it? Yes, of course you do, and so did I, and that's why I had my guest today on the show. Her name is Jazz O'Hara, and she has an amazing story. Not only that, she uses stories to do exactly what we seek to do, to make the world a better place. So several years ago, Jazz was working in the fashion industry, and her parents were going to adopt a child. And that child was coming from uh, the refugee crisis. And there was a place in France called Calais. They called it the Calais Jungle. And it was a place where thousands of refugees had accumulated and built this community. And at the time, and let's not get it twisted... The media knows how stories control the narrative, and they typically have an agenda to push, and this is the tactic that they use. They know what they're doing, and we can combat that by sharing the stories, uh, the real stories of what we experience, and this is what's so impressive about what Jazz did. So all the headlines were saying these terrible things and dehumanizing people like propaganda tends to do. And Jazz was about to get a new brother from this area. So she went to visit the Calais jungle and really learn about these people and what was actually going on. And when she went there, she didn't find anything like what she was hearing about in the news. And when she came back, she told the stories of the people, the real human people that were in the Calais jungle and what, where they came from, what they were trying to do and like who they were, not just labeling them, but who they were that creates empathy and people responded 30 million people i think saw that facebook post and it it inspired her to create the charity the worldwide tribe and their goal their mission is to raise awareness about the refugee crisis by telling personal stories and in turn support tangible projects on the ground that create an impact on the biggest humanitarian crisis of our time and so after she made that post people started sending her messages constantly how can i help what can i do and their efforts just grew from there. And now she has created this whole worldwide community, this huge online following supporting what she and the worldwide tribe are doing simply by sharing people's stories. They're filmmakers. They make films about these people. I mean, this this person, Jazz, is who I aspire to be. I look up to her so much for what she's done. I was so thrilled that she took the time to hang out with us and, and talk about how stories can change the narrative and affect the world in a positive way. And I had a blast getting to know her. I, I'm, I completely admire what she's doing, and I hope to impact the world in a similar way one day. That's as real as I can get about it. I mean, this is somebody who you want to you wanna be on their side. You want to be supporting them. You want to be blocking for them and, and helping them achieve their mission. So enough about me being inspired by her because I want you to be inspired by her. So I'm going to shut up and let you hear who you came to hear Jazz O'Hara from the Worldwide
2: Tribe.
1: Um, Well, first of all, welcome. I appreciate you finding the time and us making it happen finally. Um, I just want to get right into it. Obviously, storytelling is a big part of what you do, and you see the importance of that. I'd like to find out a little bit about where, like, how did you know that so early on to your, your journey? Clearly, like, you have this mission. And I love the purpose that you all uh, are working towards, but when did you understand that storytelling was going to be a vital part of it?
2: you know what that happened very organically for me so it was never a a plan um, as such but there was a key moment that made me realize that so what happened was I made a visit to a refugee camp um, in northern France called the Calais jungle Mm -hmm. in 2015 and this was due to the fact that my mum and dad were going through the fostering process and it looked likely that my new little brother or sister would be an unaccompanied minor coming from this camp. There were lots of children arriving to the shores of the UK and and arriving to the UK to seek asylum from this camp, uh, illegally in the back of lorries or hiding under the Eurotunnel train or uh, making these crazy journeys to cross the border, um, coming via this camp. So basically I had a personal interest in the camp. I wanted to find out a little bit more about the people there. And the media was quite dehumanizing, quite negative about the people living there because they were trying to enter the UK. They were really kind of painted out to be a threat and painted out to be. Mm -hmm. Sounds
1: oddly familiar in the States.
2: Exactly. Exactly. You know exactly what I mean. There was a real kind of specific narrative speaking about the people and it was not, um, very compassionate or even actually informative about why they were leaving or what had happened to them or what life was like in the camp or any of those things. And they were the questions that I wanted to answer. So I made that journey to the camp and was absolutely amazed by how different the reality was to the media portrayal, and I felt really compelled to share that um, with my friends and family. So I I wrote a Facebook post actually about that first trip and that first experience that went very viral, basically. That was my life-changing moment, that Facebook post that um, had a lot of traction, led to thousands and thousands of people basically contacting me, asking me how could they help, what could they do? We raised lots of money off the back of it, and that was the beginning of my organization, the Worldwide Tribe which has gone on to be really, really key in storytelling and really um, focused on storytelling. And that's because I really realised that I wasn't the only one that had those questions about the people that were living in the camp. Lots of people on social media had the same questions that they wanted answering. So that's what we really tried to do through film, through photography, through articles and daily writing on our experiences in the camp. That was a real focus of our work.
1: Were you previously a writer or a filmmaker or anything along those lines?
2: None of those things. No.
1: <laughs> what? Uh, what industry were you in?
2: I worked in fashion. I was um, working design. Okay. For an ethical brand that produced in India, um, and it was lovely, but it was very different. It was real, really a different life. So no, I mean, I always loved writing when I was younger, and like that's something that I did always do to express myself but not for anybody else so yeah. yeah it's a learning curve
1: but if you were working for an an ethical uh, company that sort of th- through line was in your work already yeah
2: I guess so i guess is it's a continuation that like mm-hmm. i was working in rural areas in india and in cotton villi- villages working to um introduce organic practices and yeah i guess i've spent a lot of time in india um on and off for about three years so i guess that there is some kind of theme but i didn't really know much about or anything about the refugee crisis or sure, sure. before I, I did this this work really. but, but
1: you were seeking to make to do good in the world to, to make some sort of positive change in the world that seems to be like inherent within you yeah
2: Absolutely. And I guess that really always has been. And to be honest, Rain, I think that that's inherent in all of us somewhere, whether mm. we recognize it or not.
1: I love that. Yeah, a lot of us aren't really in tune with that, with that part of us. But I think you're right. I mean, we all, that's a really sweet and, and great way to look at the world, right? And I have hope for people like that, too. Like, I think there's, there's good and there's light in all of us. Um, sure of it. And I think that it's an interesting point, and I'd like to talk a little bit about the the dual narratives, if you will, because first of all, let me ask you this: to the existing narrative that you said kind of the mainstream media were were pushing, do you think that they 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 know what they're doing when they craft those narratives in terms of like manipulating people's points of view and perspective? I do yeah. And so, how do we fight that?
2: We fight it, I guess, exactly how, and that's what the Worldwide Tribe is really trying to do: is to kind of counteract some of that negative messaging by putting out an alternative story and being true and authentic to my experiences or the experiences of the people that I'm meeting and the whether it's volunteers refugees people living in the camp whoever sharing their stories amplifying their voices hopefully that gives an alternative to some of the mainstream media outlets and i think social media is a really powerful tool in doing that
1: yeah it's kind of it's given it's given us all access to hear and tell those stories right in you know, a much much easier right
2: Exactly. Twenty years ago, to have our voices heard. Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely, and the thing is, what what I know, what I love about storytelling is it allows us. It creates that empathy, right? If we can, it's easy for us to say, you know, right now it's 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 immigrants, mostly Hispanic immigrants in the states, that this narrative is being pushed about, like they're oh they're drug dealers, they're rapists, etc. So it's easy for people, ignorant people, to just accept that narrative. Yeah. As a group of people. So they see anybody with brown skin to our Southern border and they just apply that to all of them. But when you share the stories of individuals, it seems to allow people to empathize and understand that, Hey, that's someone's cousin or, or, or aunt or uncle or mother or child. That could be my aunt or uncle or mother or child. And I think when we break it down like that, it tends to help people understand, right?
2: absolutely because you know what underneath all of those things that superficially might divide us like the color of our skin or the language that we speak or the culture that we've come from there are similarities so much more that that unites us actually um than those things and that's what I've come to really recognize that you can connect with everybody if you choose to
1: if you're open to it, because when I first started traveling internationally, I come from a small town in North Carolina. None of my family has really traveled internationally and it becomes so quickly apparent that we're all the same. Like it's the same thing. These kids are going to school, they're eating food, they're playing with their friends. Like it's, Mm -hmm. people are dealing with for the most part, very similar struggles it might be on different scales but uh but yeah i mean we're 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 all we're all kind of the same what stories in your experience that that you've shared through your organization what types of stories resonate with people the most because i'm sure you've done it so much now i'm sure you have some like okay that clearly doesn't work as well but these stories always seem to pop or go viral
2: yeah and do you know what i think is is the stories of the uplifting, empowering stories, the stories actually that are positive, that have some kind of hero. For example, Mm. if I'm sharing about uh, a Syrian refugee girl who um, swam her boat, to shore, to safety across the Mediterranean Sea and is now um, in the Olympic, refugee Olympic team, for example, or whether it's the man who had a falafel shop in Syria and now has a falafel stand within his refugee camp and is entrepreneurial in his approach to life in the camp. Those kinds of stories, I think make people feel good i think what we don't do is really create a victim um i think that that's something that's important because often in the mainstream media that is something that we are seeing is a lot of negativity a lot of horrible things happening a lot of fear-based narrative
1: yeah that's i mean that's really what news is they're instructed to play off of people's fear and Uh it's, it's like what you're trying to do is play off of people's hope
2: people's love yeah
1: love yeah
2: exactly exactly
1: Hmm. that's a good (laughs) tip for people um what about structure is there a certain structure that you tend to follow like when you when you had that first facebook post that did really well you understand wow okay when i share people's stories this is profound it can have a profound effect do you try to replicate that when you're creating stories is there at least a loose obviously each one is individualized but is there at least a loose structure that you follow what are the points of the narrative
2: do you know what i wish that there was more strategy to also a successful post it's very difficult for me anyway to have put my finger on you know that science behind going viral i guess Um, because that initial post we've never had a post gain as much traction as that one Mm -hmm. um so I think that yeah there are a few things like timing and consistency and making sure that you know people know what to expect from us that even if it's once a week or Mm -hmm. every day or whenever you know the podcast is fortnightly or so people know kind of what they're getting and when Um, that's something I guess that as I've learned is important and um also to yeah there's there's a, a couple of things like you know really being a bit innovative and, and new with our content i think is important too to add to because it's clear that people kind of get fatigued on a certain level to hearing these stories of the refugee crisis not so much in the media anymore as it was a few years ago so to try and come up with a, a bit of um an innovative approach in the way that we're telling these stories. That's something that we always try to do. But yeah, I, I I think when it comes to my writing, the only thing that I can say is that it really comes from the heart, and I try not to think too much about what other people think um, and what they might put on it, and what people might be wanting, and more about how I feel and that it's real. And I know that maybe it sounds cheesy, but and that really is the case for me that it's all about the reason why and why I'm doing this why I'm writing this what is the purpose of this and as, as long as I've got that clear it seems to flow as, as soon as I kind of get these other influences coming into my brain it's like yeah but how will people take that wrong or what will people think of this or is this you know right for this audience or things like that I just have to think put that out of my mind it's about yeah. intention here, yeah. mm. 100% intention
1: what about um finding which stories to tell so you i'm sure you meet lots of people lots of potential stories that you could tell i mean everybody has a story right
0: mm-hmm.
1: are there any certain criteria that you that you follow or use when you when you meet someone or what's the moment when you when you meet someone and you're like we have to tell so and so story like this is one that is that is I don't want to say worthy of a post but that just sparks that that uh creativity and and you know that you have to get their story out there
2: yeah it's a really good question again I have to say that it comes down to how I feel Mm
1: -hmm. if someone
2: touches me in a way that I feel compelled to share their story then that's how I'll write it kind of like you know it's, it's been a therapy for me as well in the way that I do get these stories out it's almost like a a diary entry um, in the days that we were working in the Calais jungle in this camp. I was there kind of on and off for long periods of time for about a year and a half. And during that time, it was really important for me to be kind of getting these stories out there and um, almost as a kind of way of processing them myself. So I think, yes, I, I think of it a bit like, like a, a diary entry and um, this regular kind of social media posting um and yeah that's that's kind of the only strategy behind choosing for the podcast series it's been again like a a factor to consider because we have done we have um series one each episode is about people is is about a person and their story um so we are on episode five and there'll be six episodes in this season and then a little break. Um, so I had to think of the six people that I've met over the last four years of doing this work that really represented, um, I guess, a a broad overview of stories. So it was the six people that have meant a lot to me over the years that I've I've really become close to, that I have a good relationship with because that really helped me to actually construct the episode as well and tell their story in the best way possible. Um, But also people that represented a diverse array of stories. So there are three people that I've met that were living in a refugee camp when I met them or that have experienced the refugee journey, and then three volunteers. Um, And we have the story from an Eritrean perspective, a Sudanese perspective and a Syrian perspective. So that's like three routes, three different routes that kind of represents the African migration route into Europe and also the Middle Eastern, the Syrian route from uh, Turkey to Greece. Um, and then also yeah different stories from a search and rescue worker working out at sea so hopefully and then uh, a foster carer who's fostered three boys from different countries so for me weaving that tapestry together um, kind of shows that there is a common theme through all of those people because as we said that we are all connected in certain ways Mm -hmm. um, but also that they represent a diverse yeah range of, of of the people that i've met along the way
1: yeah and also I think that's really wise to have the volunteers featured as well and not just the refugees I think it just yeah. fills the the whole narrative out and the whole story out a little bit better and and can I mean to me it's all about finding what will identify with people and so some people may find out about your organization or the issue and the and the the crisis through just connecting with that search and rescue person or that foster maybe they're thinking about becoming a foster parent and they happen to find the story of you know the foster parent in this situation
2: exactly or maybe they're a mum and they relate to that, to that and maybe they're you know um, oh, the search and rescue worker brendan he's an amazing guy that i think a lot of people would relate to because as he said he was a normal father of two working in Nottingham in the middle of England. And it's a very normal life actually, when he was affected by the news that he was reading. And I think that again, he's very relatable to your uh, general, yeah, to to most people in the UK actually will relate to him on a certain level. So yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It's finding those, those things that unite us and, and that's what engages people in a story.
1: What's your, what's your mission with your organization?
2: To overturn those fear-based narratives and really open people's minds to a going through life, I guess, with a different lens, with a lens of connection and and love rather than fear of the other. I know that's a big, big, wide, not very tangible mission, um, but yeah, I guess the tangible way that we're doing that is through storytelling, film, um, photography, et cetera, et cetera, on social media.
1: What haven't you had the chance to do in, in that, you know, towards that mission? What's, what's the big thing that that you, what's the big dream that you would really like to do?
2: I'd like to to make a feature film about my little brother, Mez. Um, That's something that I think would be really important. It's a really important story to tell. Uh, There's a couple of films um, that I'd still, I'm yet to make, that I still want to make. Um, Yeah. But I think that, there has been a lot of things that I have. I've probably more things have happened than I ever expected, so yeah, they're probably the main things that I'm still looking t- to complete. And um, those feature
1: would be cool for sure,
2: it'd be so cool, yeah, uh, and maybe a an dramatized version rather than documentary because that's what we've like mainly worked in.
1: That's cool. Um, plus, I mean, that story. That story seems like it would have, uh, I mean, because when did your brother come over?
2: Four years ago this month.
1: Yeah. So, so. I mean, you've already yeah. got a, a lot of backstory, not just telling his backstory, but if he's been over here that long, that's, you know, it's a continuing story. It's not something that you're just talking about. Oh, this happened to this person one year of their life. It's like still going on. Right.
2: Exactly. And the story of integration in the UK is another big part of the story. And another thing that I think is really important to touch on because his integration and in life in the UK has come with its own set of challenges that, you know, the journey was one thing, but going to our local school and taking his GCSE exams and, mm-hmm. all, and learning English and all of those things that he had to navigate as a teenage boy. Um, yeah, I think that that, in itself is also really really important for people to hear because maybe it will open their eyes and their minds and their hearts to people in their own area that are kind of new and going through those same things.
1: Definitely. Um, so you created that first post and it kind mm-hmm. of set this whole thing off. At what point did you realize that video or creating crafting films was going to be such a big part of this, or why was that so important to you?
2: So, my other little brother, um, my biological brother, Finn, he was just finishing school at the time. He was only eighteen, and he was really keen on. He wanted to become a filmmaker, um, so he started documenting some of the stories of the people that we were meeting at the camps. And that then went on to we made a film, an initial film about the jungle called Jangala, and that film um, was our first of many. Um, but I really felt like it was a great way to tell these stories that was even more emotive and even more engaging. And I saw the response to that film and it really encouraged us to make more like that because you just have a couple of minutes of people's attention on social media, if that. So if you can get their all of their senses, their eyes, their ears and like everything as engaged as possible, then, yeah, I think that people kind of... Um, do engage with that more and more video is a a great way to grab people's attention I think is
1: is that what you think it is the fact that that it touches so many of our senses
2: yeah I think so I think that sometimes if reading a big old chunk of text is not so easy um especially if you're kind of on the move or like half dipping in and out of something on social media so I'm just I guess I'm thinking about the way that I consume content on social media and online. And yeah, that really is, you know, you're flicking through, you're scrolling through and uh, yeah, we need to kind of grab people and pull them in just for a couple of minutes. And it seems the way that's been able to do that the most effectively.
1: What was the response to that first film?
2: It was amazing. It was amazing. I think that it showed... Again, um, I mean, we really looked to answer those questions that we were getting on social media. Things like, you know, why are people leaving their countries? What did those journeys look and feel like? What's life in the camp like? Why do they want to come to England? They were the kind of the main four questions that we looked to answer in that film. And we kind of set it out like that too. So, um, yeah, hopefully people came away feeling like they'd they'd found some answers.
1: That's a great formula I think that people can maybe try to replicate to think about what are the core questions that you're going to answer in your, in your video or in your film, Mm -hmm. right? Cause a lot of people, a lot of organizations are struggling. A lot of the clients that I work with are struggling to tell their stories via film or video. Um, they don't know where to start. They don't, you know, they don't know they're overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that's a good template maybe to follow is just like uh, that's even what they say with like YouTube videos is like it's, you know, people are there searching for things. They have questions. Try to answer those questions. So I like that you guys.
2: Exactly. Go back to your why. Why and what is it that you're trying to get across? And like we really, really specifically looked at it. It helped so much with the edit as well because we had hours and hours of footage of people talking so we could really pick out those answers to those questions like right does that answer that does that answer that and let's kind of um yeah se- segment it in in that way um and then people i guess really clearly do come away with a ah okay i i got i get it now um mm-hmm. what we we wanted to achieve i think
1: that's perfect because i mean it's they have that response because you're answering their questions you know and not just people often get caught up in like what we want to say about ourselves but that's a great clear example of like making it about your audience and answering the Mm -hmm. questions that they have and especially if you um i think you you basically mentioned that you do this but i think if anyone listening i think that's a good tip to poll your audience and and ask them what are the questions that they have what are the things they'd like to learn about what are the stories they'd like to hear
2: exactly exactly i think so too and we have the ability to do that so easily through social media with every podcast that i do i always ask people okay what questions do you want me to ask this guest and mm-hmm. then I'm sure that i do ask them in the episode
1: it's a good way to to create some engagement mm-hmm. um so a lot of people too in your situation they have a mission they're trying to achieve they work with an organization or they have an organization of their own and they know the value of stories and storytelling. But like I, like I said, uh, just a moment ago, they're, they're struggling to keep up with the demands of creating content consistently, like you talked about, and, and populating whatever social media channels that they're on. How do you keep up with that demand? Like, because I know, I'm not sure how large your team is, but if it's you, your brother, and I'm sure it's not, you don't have a hundred people. No,
2: that's basically
1: yeah. <laughs> right, right. Like most people trying to do great things in the world, it's like one or two people banding together, and uh-huh. um, so how do you how do you manage that? How does one so many nonprofit organizations I work with? It's like a one person team.
2: Mm-hmm. Do
1: you have any advice for that person on how to consistently create good content? Like how do you not just once, but like over the course of a year or more, hopefully? Yeah,
2: it's a great question that I wish I knew the answer to myself. I mean. <laughs> I definitely go through periods where I feel less inspired than other times. I think that it's really important to make sure that you're doing the things that you need to, number one, um, make sure that you're fulfilled in your own being. And I think, especially in the humanitarian sector, that's really, really important and vital that, you know, in, in case you're at the top of your game and feeling good within yourself, it's very difficult to help anybody else, do anything for anybody else, or even be. Um, creating so i would say yeah self-care very very importantly and also i guess i've learned to um only commit to what i really believe is feasible so for example um the podcast i realized that like each episode takes me a good few days to record to edit to sound mix and um, put put together so for me to put one out every two weeks is just about doable but it's a big chunk of that two weeks yeah, yeah. um every week i just know that i couldn't do it i've got so much other stuff going same, on same. um so yeah i think that that i'm it, i, I would have yeah killed myself trying to do it a weekly one for example um so yeah set i guess s- achievable boundaries and goals. Um, But also, yeah, make you sure that you're giving yourself the things that you need to be inspired. And sometimes that does mean a bit a moment away, you know, to take a bit of perspective and look at the big picture.
1: I mean, I think that the tip or the piece of advice to make sure that your your being is intact Mm -hmm. first is just so crucial. And it has nothing to do with storytelling, but it has everything to do with being able to be creative and create good content and connect mm-hmm. with people and just exist and enjoy your work. Cause I mean, we don't want it. We don't want everything we do to be a burden, right?
2: Absolutely. And for me, it's really been about setting boundaries because social media is 24 seven. It's always there at your fingertips. There's always a feeling of like, Oh, I haven't posted today and, and people commenting and sending you messages and needing replies. And it's, it's constant admin. So I think that, Setting some boundaries, really, you know, specifically saying, okay, I'm going to spend an hour right now replying to comments and direct messages. I'm going to spend an hour creating today's post, or I'm going to spend Monday creating posts for the entire week and scheduling them. And that, you know, if you can do that, I would 100% recommend it because, yeah, that takes away from, if especially if you're trying to create, and for us, we really are trying to create real you know emotive content that doesn't just you can't just pull that out of nowhere you need to be like the mood you can't be like oh my god it's 7 p.m and i need to post today quick gotta get heartfelt yeah exactly especially when you're in the middle of like you know dinner or like whatever it might be um yeah i need to kind of get in the zone and give myself a few hours to kind of create and uh yeah scheduling that timing. i
1: mean that sort of material or content which is about depth right it's really hard to do that you know a lot right i mean you know, so and it's hard to view that stuff a lot if you were pumping mm-hmm. out some poignant sad touching story every hour or twice a day you know what i mean people people may get, don't want
2: that either hey like yeah people want feel good mm-hmm. and also it's hard to like that kind of thing as well and, and so if you're really wanting engagement and you know, Reactions and interaction, I think that you need to also play to people's, yeah, you know, not just them feeling sad, but feeling inspired, feeling empowered, feeling engaged, feeling like they want to do something and want to get involved.
1: Hmm. That makes me feel good. I have a young daughter who's like a, almost a year and a half when you were painting the picture of, you know, maybe making dinner or whatever. And if you haven't posted yet, it's hard to like get into that zone if you're really trying to do something. Uh, powerful or heartfelt Mm -hmm. that reminds me of that it's like if I've been chasing her around the house trying to get her to go to bed for a couple of hours it's not a really great mental space for me to go then sit down and you know craft some beautiful
2: exactly and I find myself I find myself in that position a lot where I'm like oh and I quickly have to do this now and I really have to remind myself okay this is not something that can be rushed
1: yeah and the content suffers Mm mm-hmm you know, mm-hmm. so you think you're just checking something off the list, but you didn't.
2: Yeah. And it's not about, it's not about ticking a box. It's about creating from a space that, yeah, needs nurture and yeah. time.
1: Nurture. That's a great word. What do you, what do you need to tell a story? So to, to let's say you're in the field and a story, uh, an opportunity for a story arises how much equipment do you need there's a lot of people that that's a barrier to telling good stories is they think oh well i don't have a great camera or a crew or whatever like what do you use or what's the simplest
2: yes. none of that matters to me all i need is a connection with that person all mm-hmm. i need is time with that person and being there in that moment with that person that's all i need And great, great. If you can take a photo, but I use my phone. I think that's absolutely acceptable for social media. You know, usually, I mean, it's, it's different if we're making a film, but always, always, if we're making a film, I will make sure that first I go in with no camera and I meet people and I spend time Mm -hmm. with people, I make friends. And that is where I found that you get the the best stories. And then, because I think that, When you take a photo, if the photographer has a connection with the subject, then the viewer will have that connection or feel that connection with the subject too. Um, and that's important. That's the most important thing to me.
1: I love that. All I need is a connection. That's really good.
2: Not not an internet connection. (laughs) (laughs)
1: connection. Um, I love that. Um, I love the tip about go in there first because another thing people get, Caught up on okay, I got to go in there and get this story, but yeah, to lay that groundwork to to establish that human connection, right, that rapport with one another, so that then you can get the good stuff from them. I'm I'm I do documentaries, and you know, my job when I interview people is to get them to a comfortable space where they open up and tell me their
2: exactly exactly and that takes time right so i'll give you another example my boyfriend he's a hairdresser and he cuts hair for people living on the street and he uses Mm -hmm. that as a platform through instagram to tell their stories and it's the same thing that you know he that that haircut enables him to spend time with people he'll always Mm -hmm. spend way 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 longer than your average haircut would take making sure people feel like they are seen heard felt and that even that you know um tangible touch that connection of like actual touch that Mm. also means that people really open up and um yes it's an amazing way of connecting with someone physically and also yeah, through having a conversation also what helps is that in that situation you're not face to face looking someone in the eye sometimes i think that people open up the most if you're going for a walk together or mm-hmm. you know i said that with my partner josh if he is yeah cutting hair then he people open up because they don't feel as kind of intimidated by this like one-on-one direct mm. gaze. Um, so yeah. And, and I think that that for him isn't, it becomes not about the haircut at all. It becomes about the story and, uh, yeah, getting a bit deeper into, you know, who, who that person is and, and how they got to where they got to, because there's always a sequence of events that led to where they are now.
1: Mm. I love that. Yeah, I think that's a good point about not forcing this like eye to eye contact until they're ready. You're giving them kind of Mm -hmm. the space to open up, get comfortable, all these things that we need for people to share their stories. They have to, they have to be comfortable. I'm, I'm leading uh, a storytelling series every month at at my office on different pillars of health. So this month, which is actually Wednesday, we're doing, uh, we're talking about relationship health and we have four storytellers that are local you know local and and influential people in the in the community that share that come and open up and they share personal stories and that creates this space where then we can have kind of an open community conversation afterwards where people can ask questions or share their own stories but it wouldn't happen if we didn't have those people come tell their stories first right and they just mm-hmm. create this space to where people are comfortable being vulnerable and sharing things that may not be so easy to share
2: absolutely and that doesn't come when you go in cold you know like you're absolutely right like that takes time and that's just you know there's no shortcut for that i don't think
1: is there a point where you think that the worldwide tribe will have will have completed its mission
2: no (laughs) i don't think so i think this is a lifetime's work for me rain
1: yeah. Are there any stories that um, besides your brothers in the feature film that are left to tell? Is this something that you see yourself doing too for for the rest of your life?
2: I do I think yeah there's lots of stories left to tell I think that these are stories of people affected by migration and movement and I think that we are only seeing the tip of the iceberg with that right now with things like what's going on in Syria what's going on in Afghanistan in Sudan and and also the Central American countries and migration that we're seeing into the U.S. Mm -hmm. I really think that you know it's only going to grow I'm sure of it with things like climate change um, impacting people all over the world and, and causing people to move and um, so I really think that these stories yeah really going to be increasingly important and it's going to be increasingly important with how we deal with this movement of people um, and yeah there's lots of stories on a, on a personal level that I still am yet to share people that I've met that are like very in my heart and I haven't yet put out there into the world. Um there's another one that I'll tell you quickly um who another girl that I became very close with because she really related I really related to her. Incredibly inspirational girl who just had this amazing positivity and I followed her story um since I met her in 2016 in Turkey through the relocation process of hoping to get to Europe or to the U S or Canada. And now she has been relocated to Canada and she's getting the treatment that she needs to hopefully be able to walk again. So, um, I'm hoping to go to Canada. I've documented her until she her, until she left Canada. I'm um, sorry, Turkey to Canada. And yeah, I'm hoping to go to Canada to kind of finish up the story and to share her Amazing journey because yeah, I think that everybody kind of needs to hear it. She represents a lot of people that are leaving Syria and just have this incredible resilience.
1: Hmm. I think that's what it's about too. Is 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 resilience? You know, we talked about hope a lot today, but I think resilience is a, is another is another one that I think it's important that we share those stories, right? Because mm-hmm. when I see someone else that's resilient and worked through something. It gives me that hope. It makes me want to support them. You know, Mm -hmm. I think that's really important. Exactly. I think you're really, you're really doing important work and, and uh, I was just really excited to talk to you. I appreciate you taking the time today because uh, this is something I have done a little bit of work uh, internationally um, working with kids in the fitness movement. And it's not quite, they're not, Quite trying to escape the situations as the people that you're working with, but they're still trying to escape what the situations that they're in. And mm-hmm. so we go build these these free uh, fitness parks for them to have some you know somewhere to spend their time, but also the the social effects of a young man or woman being able to take control of their bodies had residual effects into their uh, their academics their social situations and their confidence in, in themselves. And it was just a beautiful movement. And so on a larger scale, I see that reflected uh, in the work that you're doing. I see your passion and I just appreciate it. I think it's very special for me. I'm lucky that you storytelling is so important to you. So I could actually uh, find a way in there and learn a little bit more about what you're doing in the world.
2: Oh, well, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed our chat.
1: Absolutely. I appreciate it. Uh, I'm going to let you go. I know it's getting, uh late in the uk i still have a few more hours left in my day
2: yeah, i've still got a post to write so <laughs> all right
1: well don't rush it you got to feel it okay <laughs> you got to be in the moments and feel it here okay
2: <laughs> exactly exactly
1: <All laughs> I'm <right. black> <laughs> thanks so much i'll talk to you soon
2: thanks Green. have a great day